Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. A fine libations Friday to you and yours loosey-goosey edition of the Jeff Cameron Show. You can always, uh, well, you can watch the show as well as listen to it on terrestrial radio. That's a really cool thing. We invite you to do both. Real Talk Radio 93.3, War Chant TV. Make sure if you're on YouTube, you're on War Chant TV as I smack my headset off. We're off to a flying start. That you do so um, and, and that you like and subscribe. That helps others find the program. So it is. Away we go. Let's get after it. Let's have some fun with this thing. Last day over in Jacksonville for the team as they donned the full pads. All right. We're there now. No more nonsense. None of the kind of stretching it to make a point about a player or a segment or a team. Because once you get the pads on, you get to find out what's what. That's always the way it's going to be. And, you know, I know tomorrow is the scrimmage. Uh, We're not supposed to be there. We're not allowed to be there per se. Did you go get your costume of the thing from the Fantastic Four so you can look like the bricks at Doke? <laughs> I didn't. I'm going to find a workaround. I, I, that's the attempt, anyhow. I'm kind of kidding. There's a part of me that's not. But, yeah, I mean, I would like to see the scrimmage. I think it's important for context. But I also don't want to, you know, I don't want to have my credentials pulled. <laughs> That'd be Especially a since you're telling everybody here in Tallahassee yeah, and live on Warchant yeah. TV yeah, that, that you're I'm trying sneak to. In there. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm efforting to do so. Well, there are ways to do it and then say you weren't there, but you got a little, a little bit of better context. That's the whole thing. That's, that's, I'm just trying to bring you, the subscriber and listener of the Jeff Cameron Show, uh, more in-depth, thorough analysis from what we see over there just go get a vintage new york jets polo and say you're eric mangini and you're back in the scouting game mm, uh, he still has some hair left and he's a little beefy oh he shaved he shaved, hey, he shaved, shaved it off awesome weight it he's getting yeah. it together yep mm-hmm. well it'll be important because i don't know what really they got done today over there other than the uh adverse conditions that coach norvell keeps talking about about trying to get people on the road and uh, get them out of their comfort zone. I guess there's something to that. I don't really see it, but if he does, he does. I mean, that's that's his choice. That's fine. I don't I don't take issue with it at all. I mean, you know, move, practice wherever the hell you want to practice. I mean, I think it's a recruiting uh, effort more than anything else. And that's fine. It's also a chance for the people over there, the, some of the big-time boosters in Jacksonville, to kind of come out and glad hand and do all that stuff. Uh, lots of people do that. That's I don't have a problem with that. I just don't know that the team grows any quicker by having done that, although they did all these team building exercises and all that stuff, so maybe maybe they do. Maybe the, they do. The question I have is if today's the first day in pads, and you know this better than I do because I didn't play football and I had never went through a fall camp or a spring camp. It's that's got to be tough for your first day in pads to be followed by a full throttle scrimmage. Yeah, but I, that's why I say I don't imagine that they got after it today. And and for example, uh, we we have some audio from Mike Norvell. I listen. Uh, let me say this: if you're a coach. Any coach, all coaches would do well. They, they, I don't know if it's their nature per se or their efforts to protect their players and themselves and the buildup and the pressure that they begin to feel as though days and weeks go by towards the season. But a lot of times when they are asked questions 
when the media asks a coach questions, sometimes the way they respond creates a sense of unease. Like the the response sort of seems meandering and uh, searching. And when you do that immediately, it's left up to the rest of us to read into that and kind of, hmm, what did he mean by that? Or, well, that didn't seem like he was ready for that question. Or, you know, you, you can get conspiratorial really quickly. Uh, and, you know, it may not be anything. Right, because coaches are always out of time, no matter where they are, especially in camp. Right. They're always up against it. But I think, honestly, like, the way you respond to Mackenzie Milton not practicing today, in a weird way, creates this sense of, hmm, is something wrong? Now, he's going to tell you in this clip that this is just scheduled. But he's also going to answer the question in such a way that you go, what? That didn't seem right. Right. Now, that, he, yes. that seems a little off-putting. We have his opening statement. He only went for just under four minutes Wait, today. Wait, he didn't want to talk today. He, he didn't want No, he did not. I don't, and I, for somebody who's been so open, that's fine. You yeah, know, there's certain days talk, yeah. you got to move. Well, they're getting back on the road to get back over here. Yep, you have yep. all the stuff going on this weekend, including prepping for a scrimmage tomorrow oh, night. Tomorrow's got to be a, a tough day. And again, you, you want to say that with the right intentions. Yeah, he's that, going to the With funeral. all sensitivity. But Correct. yeah, yeah it's a that's long, a tough day. Tough day with a lot of details to work out and a lot of obligations as the head coach of Florida State he's got a lot of things on his plate when you're having to be part of and I say having to be excuse me when you want to be part of something like this meaning uh, showing your respect uh, and your condolences for the family uh, and attending uh, the legend Bobby Bowden's funeral you you obviously have to be present very present Uh, not only there in person, but mentally be there as well. You've got to be locked in. You're going to have to speak to a lot of important people tomorrow. So I think a lot of what he had to say today is reflective of that. I think his mind is somewhere else. Because in addition to doing all of those other things, he you know how detailed-oriented he is about, about scrimmages, about practices, about each of those periods, how it's going to look, what they're going to do on script, all of that stuff. And he spends a lot of time. I mean, there are contingency plans for the contingency plans. So I, I really believe that when that's on your mind and you're over in Jacksonville and you just finished practice and you got to get on the road, perhaps you're not in the mood to chit-chat with the assembled press, which I'm fine with, but I'm just trying to glean some insight as to why he was kind of short and really nondescript. Yeah, chances are today, if you're lingering around the bus and not on the bus, he's going to run out of the bus and he's going to yell at you to get on the bus. It's going to be one of those days. We all had that teacher who had that that complex of control. I had one who always, in a seat, in a seat. Like, really? I mean, you know, <laughs> is it okay if I, I'm throwing out some paper. If I linger a little bit, do you have to yell in a seat? That's going to be him today. On the bus. Let's go. Got to be there yesterday. My coaches used to say on a hop, always on a hop. Coaches have been saying that forever. But you would start running. Before practice, we had to run the way that my high school was set up. You had the, the softball fields and the baseball fields off over on another field, and you had our field. Anyhow, there's just this long-ass run that you would have to do before every practice, and everybody hated it and because it's, it's blazingly hot. And they would say, all right, let's go on a hop. Now, as soon as they say, okay, run around, and you'd run around the backstop of the softball field, and you come all the way back. Everybody knew the route. It's not real complicated. Everybody knew what they had to do. And the second they would blow the whistle for us to run, two steps into the run, on a hop, gentlemen, on a – my man, I just started running. So that's how that went. Yes, you're right. Coaches like control. Mike Norvell, 
Here he is talking about the, the way today went, and you'll see what I mean in terms of this, the way he answers this question. It's a little hmm, curious. All right, uh, pretty good work day, uh, you know, coming, coming off yesterday, which, uh, you know, like, like we talked about, was a pretty spirited day. I thought our guys last night um, really locked in in our walkthrough. Uh, I thought it was a, a great time, had a, you know, some team building, team bonding um, uh, events uh, last night, and, uh, you know, I really like this team. I, I like the young men that we have. Uh, you know, we're continuing to push, continue to build those relationships today. Uh, first day in full pads, uh, it was intentional. We scrimmage tomorrow night. It'll be our first scrimmage, but uh, you know we didn't want to. We didn't want to really let up in a sense. We wanted to keep pushing with the physicality. Um, you know, that's three good three good days in a row when it comes to the workload. Uh, I thought our guys. Uh, um, you know, we put them in some challenging situations. You know, you know, got you know tempo. Really trying to push the tempo late in practice. Uh, got some really good special teams work. I mean, it was a big special teams emphasis day for us. Uh, but I, I, mean, I like I like some of the strides we're seeing. Uh, some guys individually are emerging. Um, you know, other guys have to continue to uh, to step up and, and rise to the challenge. You know, we had some guys that uh, you know were managing a workload. Uh, you know, here throughout. Um, Throughout the, uh, the early part of fall camp, you know, we got a very specific plan for, for guys on the team. So some guys that were a little limited today or, or on a kind of deload day, and uh, they'll be back and ready to roll tomorrow night for the scrimmage. But uh, uh, all in all, I thought it was a productive day, and you know, we're going to continue to push. Got two questions. Didn't see McKenzie out there, or is he okay? Yeah, like I said, we got a couple guys that we we're working through, going through the deload phase with a bunch of them, and so there are about you know, six or seven guys that we made that choice with. So Aslan asked the question of Warchant.com. You could hear, and, and there is a little hesitance to, to expound. Uh, he did circle back. I'm probably reading too much into it, uh, but when you sound a little caught off guard and stutter your way through an answer that I would imagine you expected – the question to be asked, and I, you know, I don't know about you, I, I feel like coaches get themselves in a little bit of a pickle from time to time by just avoiding kind of straightforward answers. Um, you got to know walking off the field immediately you're going to be asked why Mackenzie Milton didn't practice. And I would guess that you would kind of rehearse that in your mind, if only for a second, and say, Scheduled day off for McKenzie. We're scrimmaging tomorrow. I didn't want him to put too much on his arm today since we're really going to ask him to throw a lot tomorrow. Next question. Boom, we're done here. That's the end of that. Rolling on Big River. Nobody's saying a thing if you do that. Regardless if you're reading too much into it or not, or me or anybody else who watched that or heard the audio, the first question tomorrow after the scrimmage is, how did McKenzie play today? Right? I mean, I think that's the consensus thing. It's just to make sure that, all right, well, he might have been on a deload day, whatever that you know, whatever that term was. Maybe that was his Friday, but how about Saturday night, Coach? How did it look? Eleven on eleven. McKenzie, he do okay. How about Jordan? But McKenzie's going to be first. Uh, always, you know, I, I've done some thinking about it more and more regarding the quarterback position and how not being able to see the scrimmages really, if if we don't, and I know I've joked consistently about the scrimmages and wanting to get out there and see them. I More than anything else, the reason I want to see that is I want to see, and I think this was also why they would be very careful not to show it, Tom, honestly, the more you think about it. If McKenzie wins the job, at what point in camp does that become apparent to them? At what point do they pivot to start to prep for the game with him as the one? And the reason I ask is, 
If that happens, you are now going to incorporate an awful lot of Jordan Travis elsewhere in your offense. And I don't think they want that out there. They don't want that leaked in any way. They want to be very careful about what the media would see in regards to Jordan Travis lining up in the slot or any time the two of them are on the field at the same time. I think they'll be very secretive if that happens. Yeah, the specifics of how it's implemented, I agree with you. I think they're going to save as much as they possibly can. However, they did both go to ACC kickoff, and I'm talking about the two quarterbacks, and say that the two of them could be on the field at the same time. The Both of them did. The Jordan Travis one grabbed the headlines from the media availability when we were up there, and it was around just, you know, just short of 9 a.m., but then when McKenzie was in his breakout later in the day where anybody could ask him questions, he simply said, Jordan is too good to not be on the field, and I feel I'm the same way. So the both of them are willing to, before they even got there for ACC kickoff, say, yeah, both of us are going to play. Yeah, but- in, in that sense, I don't think it's a surprise, but the how, the how it's done and the how it's implemented, I would agree. They might just save that for the scrimmage. Well, only one of them's a playmaker without the ball in his hand. So, I, I, you know, I mean, McKenzie. Sure. You know, I mean. But where you line up, how you space right. things, your decoys, all that stuff. Yeah. I uh, Last year, they were able, with Jordan Travis in the game, they found ways to run the ball. It was the only positive note about the offense a year ago. It certainly wasn't the receivers. It certainly wasn't that uh, you weren't blown away by the offensive line. You weren't blown away by the running backs. There was nothing about the offense that you went, man, they got something going there, except for Jordan Travis's legs and what defenses had to do to try to prepare for that, which opened up the run game because, obviously, now you've got to commit a defender to the quarterback. So if that doesn't happen, then what ends up happening with the offense? How does it look? Now, that's affected by a lot of things. Not only a quarterback's ability to sustain drives and make throws on third and obvious, but also because you got Wilson back, who's a giant tight end and a very physical presence on the edge, almost an extra tackle, now you're going to have to incorporate those things from a more traditional set if McKenzie's your quarterback. So these are all things we desperately want to see and know because it affects play calling and the way that they go about running the ball, which running the ball, once again, last year was about the only thing they could do. I'd say, too, I'm really curious to see how they run Jordan because – he may say, and maybe he's right, that some of these injuries are freak accidents, but I don't think you're going to run him into contact. That's, there, there are some quarterbacks think, you know, the, the Tebow experiment with uh, was it Chris Leak way back when, when they won 06. All right, he comes in, he's going to be a battering ram. You're not going to call those types of plays for Jordan. So if you are going to run him, how are you going to run him? You're not going to run a speed option because you don't want him taking a hit as he distributes the ball. Those types of things are going to be very interesting to see as well. He can run, but you really don't want to run him into harm. Yeah, you always get into this difficult and and trying to the difficulty in trying not to be predictable. So, for example, if he comes in, a defense immediately is like, okay, well, you know, they're going to try to get him the ball. He's a playmaker. He's not here as a decoy, so we, they're going to want to get him the ball. So now you've kind of obviously laid your plans bare. Secondly. I think the better way to do it then, like you say, if both quarterbacks are on the field, is you put him back at quarterback, and yes, you can have run-pass options, you can have all of those things, but you got to let him throw the ball. You, I would think pretty early on in the experiment, he needs to throw and complete passes so they have to respect it. Yeah, but that's a good thing because we feel much better about his ability. It might be a gadget He's improved. Play, yeah, he's improved. But oh, we you can have to passes. honor it. It's not yeah. like a receiver over there and you're like, oh, this guy can't throw it. Let him, let him try. Listen here, no, man. No, this I, guy can get the ball down the field. 
when you are trying to battle back and become something of consistency and something where you can count on sort of an offense, this is what we run, this is what we do, we're not wavering from this because we have the personnel, we don't think you match up and we can exploit you, uh, we're going to look at the film, find out where you're weak and attack and attack. Until you get to that point, you can be as gadgety as you damn well need to be. And we should be the gadgetiest bunch you've ever seen in your life. It ought to make people who have real offenses, and I'm not saying Mike Norbell doesn't. What I'm saying is he may not have the personnel to run what he wants to run. So it ought remember when Clemson came in here twenty twelve. Yes. Desperate to try to catch I Florida State, knowing that they weren't Florida State. Chad Morris. And they had no chance. And they threw the kitchen sink at us. All kinds of silly Mickey Mouse stuff. Some of it worked. A lot of it worked. Most of it worked early on. And you're like rolling your eyes because you are the established team. You are the 800-pound gorilla. Right. You have horses everywhere. You don't have to use a bunch of trickeration and all this Mickey Mouse. I'm going to line up beat your ass. That's what I'm going to do. So that was a much easier way to call plays. Yeah. That's great. But we're not that. We can't line up and do that at no. all. So we ought to be the ones going – Man, look at all this trickeration. While so many other people are rolling their eyes. Yep. That ought to be what we are this year. We, I mean, I, you kind of have to be. We need to offend people with how many gadgets we have. <laughs> yes. We have to offend yes. people. Yes. Oh, a little halfback toss back to McKay. Oh, my goodness. Is that – I don't even know what the name of that play is. I want the halftime look-in at ESPN or wherever we're on at the time to be the analyst saying to the host, well, you look at this game, we're tied at 21. You might wonder how. If you look at the stats, Florida State's averaging 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, they're just 5 for 17 through the air. But they have those two huge trick plays on the double reverse toss and then also the flea flicker late in the second quarter. And you, want, you know, you, they're just going to be shaking their head. It's the most inefficient nonsense, but we're tied at 21 because you got a special team score and two trickety doos. And the next thing you know, we were like, this is ridiculous. And we're saying, yeah, we're going, that's right. And we're tied at 21. That's Florida State oh, football. All right. And it does, we, we're moving towards that not being Florida State football. But if you're trying to win games by hook or by crook, baby, you got to do whatever you got to do. And you know it's so annoying to play teams like that. I hate it, especially if somebody's good at it, meaning yes. they have a lot of tricks up their sleeve. And especially if they have the chip on their shoulder. Oh, yeah. Because that's, that's all yes. those teams. All those teams played above their heads. Once they got rolling and the, and the game was close in the second half, then they might make a couple traditional plays and go, really? Oh, I see. Mm. It's one of those days. We've got to be that crew. Which I'm not pleased with, but that's just where we're at. By the way, if a tree falls on your roof during the storm, storm's coming through this week. Obviously, we'll see it Friday, Saturday, probably Sunday more up here than anything else. Lots of rain, all that stuff. But when that happens, trees tend to fall. If you have structural damage, T-Spark Enterprises available to help come inspect the roof. Best part is with T-Spark, it's one phone call because you can not only fix the roof, but they're a licensed general contractor. They can also take care of the structural damage right there and then. That's a good thing. So you're going to want to give them a call today. Write this number down. Be aware of it. Obviously, T-Spark, my guy, T-Spark Enterprises, 850-766-1340. More of the Jeff Cameron Show momentarily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time 
or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Happy Libations Friday to each and every one of you. Hope your day is going well. Appreciate you joining us. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and on War Chant TV. Like and subscribe. Spread the word and uh, that we're back and that we're here from 1 to 3 each afternoon with you. It's great to be here, as I said before. I mean that sincerely. Hey, I don't normally get down with the gimmicks, but I have to tell you, last night's game from the Field of Dreams field was awesome. Did you watch that thing? Not live, but that ninth inning was awesome unbelievable. The whole game was good. I, I couldn't believe the highlights, and I saw the clip of Kevin Costner coming out. I don't know that he needed to wander around the field for that long. Like sure. I was I was hoping his dad would come out and they'd have another catch. I was like, come on, let's do it. Go get that actor. Let's yeah. have them throw the ball as the, the players catch, come out. Dad. But he's just kind of meandering out there for like three and four minutes while the music's playing. He's looking around, and people are like, ah, just move along. It was excessive, but I thought the overall execution of the game last night, oh, first yeah. of all, in prime time, that's good for baseball. I thought it was interesting. The game lived up to the billing. I liked the matchup, and right off the bat, it was good. So uh, my kids loved it. You know, I always think about this because they've seen Field of Dreams, but I've always thought about this with baseball. You know, they're, they're trying constantly to do things to, to get younger, and I didn't know that that would do it. That seems very old-timey, and that movie old. certainly is old, yeah. but it – it worked. My kids were like, this is awesome. And I have to admit, I, I rather enjoyed every aspect of it. Yeah, the way the field, the wall looked in yeah. the outfield, and then the lower third graphic with yes. the old-timey scoreboard. That should just be Fox Baseball's graphic. At all times. It looks great. Uh, thank you, Eric. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for uh, yeah, always just so kind with the donations, and uh, that helps us uh, do what we need to do here. So appreciate you. Very much getting in and, and tipping as they is, is that what it is? It's tipping on YouTube. Uh, what it's, it is? It's super chat. Yeah, it's super chat contribution to the program to the Greater War Chant TV network. We could do more things if you help us like that. So we're grateful. Maybe we'll make some extra road trips. Things like that. A couple people uh, mentioned, by the way, that uh, they weren't sure. I'll answer this question before we get some audio from Adam Fuller. Uh, Chris writes: Did McKenzie practice today in Jacksonville? Sounds like he might have sat out. Well, we played the clip from Coach Norvell in the first segment, but if you're just joining us, the answer is he did not practice today. Uh, a couple people noted and answered his question that uh, it wasn't for any specific injury, but he was held out. It's quote-unquote a deload. Um, yeah, load management, like they say in the NBA, I guess, ahead of the scrimmage tomorrow. I mean, if you've got a non-contact jersey on, uh, okay, all right. Save, I, it save the do, bullets? It has know. to do with the arm. It, you know, early in camp, you see this with pitchers is the best way to describe it. Uh, you know, you can go through the off-season workouts. You can do all that. You try to build yourself up. But then when you start throwing for real and you're doing that many reps, and we've been out at all these practices, save for the ones here in Jacksonville, they throw a lot. They throw a lot. And you can have arm fatigue very easily. It's very normal. I'm guessing. I don't know what that is. It could have been something as simple as, Hey, Coach, my arm's a little sore right now. I'd much rather McKenzie throw in a scrimmage than today right, in Jacksonville, right. and uh, they could have just said, okay, we'll give you a, a deload day, as uh, he called it. They would, too. Given the throws in practice, they'd probably, yeah, let's just uh, turn you toward the scrimmage. We want guys to have some catchable passes. So He's been, uh, well, he's up and down. He's very strange in practice. He's not a practice guy. I think the fan base would begin to understand that. I think co coaches certainly understand it. We saw the spring practices. At that time, I chalked it up to the fact that he was learning a brand-new offense, and in that, in essence, he hadn't really played football uh, in that capacity uh, in, like, 
well over a year and a half. So you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, he's rusty and he's learning in a new offense. But that just turns out maybe he doesn't like practice, or maybe he's not very good in practice, at least not consistently. <laughs> oh, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Oh, my goodness gracious, what has happened here? Man alive, that is kind beyond reason. Shane, thank you so much. He writes, let's go. Had to be sure to let Jeff and Tom feel the tip love. Hey, 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 hey. Well played, Shane. Well played. Stayed over. <laughs> okay. We're, what are we doing? What are we doing here? I, the only way to segue from that nonsense, and thank you, Shane, uh, is to let's hear from Adam Fuller, whom I spoke to last week. We saved the audio just like we did on Warchant.com. Audio from all the coaches from that luncheon. Apparently, I hogged Adam Fuller. I was accused. <laughs> yeah, well, it looked like it. It did. But I was okay with it because we're teammates on Warchant.com. Well, but I'm very professional and courteous and don't like to take away from others' abilities to grab the sound they need or get the quotes that they need. I just got so carried away and having a nice conversation with the man, and it was just like we were talking about our kids and right. our family and everything else. The same thing happened with me and Coach Marv. We were at the same big table, and a TV reporter said, hey, can I? I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I, because I didn't know when the when the luncheon was over and the interviews yeah, began. what's what? What's happening here? Next thing I know, they're like, wrap it up. I'm like, oh, yeah. I talked to you for 20 minutes. Right. People are going, hey, dude. Right. I'd like to talk to the defensive coordinator, getting that the, given that the defense is probably going to be the key to the whole yep. season. Like, we spent a lot of time on quarterbacks in the receiver room and the running backs, and certainly the offensive line, and those are all very, very, very important things, obviously. But we also need to get a stop every now and again. Going to have to get a stop every once in a while, of which we got none a year ago, virtually. Yeah, probably more than every now and again. I think we're going to script plays very well. We'll see if we can carry that script into the second quarter, offensively speaking. But, yeah, once that script ran out last year, that was a big-time problem. So the defense will need to hold down the fort. The game plan, week in and week out, I believe will be very good. I think what you saw last year was a byproduct of limited time, limited personnel. I thought it was always a good sign that they could script those 15 to 20 plays and that they were very effective. Obviously, it shows an ability to assess personnel for both sides, your own and theirs, and where to attack. Now, to extrapolate that out and find some consistency, obviously you need more time together, more efforts together, all of that. And so I feel like that's with a normal offseason and all the install and everything you got to do in spring and everything you're doing now, that should be a workable function. You ought to be able to go into these games now and do something more than just coming into the game and coming out at halftime. You ought to see a sustainable game plan as much as you can. Hey, we got a little time here. You want to play that audio? We can. Be a little press for it later in the hour, but we can do That's it. That's all right. We've got the audio. Okay. This is me and Adam Fuller talking uh, last week. All right, so let's start with this. Obviously, the circumstances for you last year as a defense coordinator were virtually impossible given that you guys didn't get a spring. You short amount of time. Didn't get, obviously, you're dealing with COVID. You probably couldn't coach the team the way you would ordinarily coach a team because you had limited personnel. You had guys who couldn't play, guys who could. What's changed the way that you're coaching your defense now? Having a normal offseason, having a full spring, going into a fall camp in a more traditional manner. I think the true knowledge of the personnel, the true knowledge of the expectations, um, 
you're trying to uphold the standards constantly, but the knowledge of what a standard looks like. Right. Um, then just functionally of just having some consistency with the same people that you're trying to coach. You know, I think those are all big byproducts of what is going to have to happen in order to play good defense. From the spring, my observation, correct me if I'm wrong, it looked like your defense was more physical. Guys triggered quicker. I saw plays in the perimeter got blown up faster. There was a willingness to do that. Is that just a better understanding of what you're asking them to do? Or was that because, again, you had more time and you were able to teach what you were doing? I guess that falls back into a better understanding. Yeah, I think all of it, right? So, like, if if there's consistency in the coaching and there's consistency in the person you're coaching, things will happen quicker. So that was happening. And some of it had to do with... You know, we did. We we brought some new players into the program. You know what I mean? And all those guys we think are going to help us. So, um, you know, I've gained a better understanding of who we have here. I think they've got to gain a better understanding of who we are as a defensive and full staff. And us putting the guys in the right spot and then them reacting in ways that we're coaching them to do. I think it's all part of it. I know you're looking forward. Last question about last year. How maddening was it for you to have all of the change in personnel constantly, partly because of COVID restrictions, partly because, you know, whatever it might have been. I mean, Coach Norvell talked earlier today about having 11 different guys play 100 snaps in the defensive backfield not being ideal. It's 100 snaps. 100 snaps, that's right. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, it's 100 snaps. It's Each amazing. player. So how difficult was it for you week to week? You know, no consistency in, in the show on the field. Yeah, you know, there's, there, there's times you – you know, you don't really think about the those issues as when you're in it, right? Because you're in the mindset of like, whatever it is, it is, and we got to deal with it right now. And that was kind of the mindset as you're going through it. But I mean, honestly, you do feel a little bit not guilty, but unfair when you have a player out there and he's playing for the first time in a new position, and you know you're making the best decision you can for the team to get that guy in that position, but you don't feel like you prepared him the way he needs to prepare. And you're always constantly trying to find that balance, but sometimes you got you have those years or those weeks where it is 11 different players playing over 100 snaps and you're trying to find the right way to play together. And it was a challenge, you know, and but if it happens if it happens this year and you got to play 11 guys, you got to find a way to do it. And so you're constantly trying to find the right the right formula to get that done. A lot of those guys are back playing for you again this year. Having gone through that, we know confidence is such a big factor in the way athletes perform. When you're having a rough year, as they did a year ago, how do you build them back up to believe and to trust themselves? The work, the hard work, the stuff that since the end of the season, and even during the season, up till now, like there's been a lot of sacrifice made. You know, there's been a lot of criticism there's been a lot of positivity you know there's been a lot of everything kind of rolled into what the last seven months have been and I think confidence doesn't come with filling things with false bravado right it comes with listen you've done x y and z from a work standpoint they look in the mirror and they see the way they're built they in a meeting when you ask questions they have answers quickly and then you go out and apply that in practice and that's the confidence right that comes in now comes into you play another opponent and you're doing really well. Do I have the confidence to stay the course? Or I get behind by a touchdown. Do I have the confidence in my training? 
that's when you really learn about all the foundation that you're trying to build right now. What are you most eager to see as camp starts? At the time I'm talking to you, stay before practice begins officially, what are you most excited to see, given what you just explained about what the way they've responded, you know, the reflection, the hard work, all that. What are you most excited to see? Because I can almost picture you as kind of a, a dad to all the kids. Like, okay, now here's our chance. You know, last year's last year. Here's our chance. What are you most looking forward to seeing? I know this is not the greatest, but consistency. Like, if, like we're going to go out there tomorrow. We're going to run around. We're going to know where we're going. Like, it's going to play fast. And then day two and day three and day four and day five. And also being consistent within us making it inconsistent to plan for those bad times of maybe moving a guy to a position or trying to develop the consistency of growth with the whole unit. Like, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is seeing our consistency as a group and as a unit. To see them day in and day out show up and execute the way I know that we deserve to do. Adam Fuller, who desperately wants to see his players get their just due for the work put in. I think it's something that really resonates when you listen to him talk. He knows how bitterly disappointed they all were, and certainly he had to be last year, watching this sieve of a defense. But he also knows he put kids in a situation, in many cases, uh, where they, they couldn't succeed. They were, they were out of position in some cases. Uh, they couldn't rep what they needed him to rep. Uh, that's not because he didn't understand what to do, but just because of the circumstances that they were in. If you all, if you aren't already, is a better way of saying this, uh, aware, the War Chant Multimedia Network has you covered on your drive home. Grab our podcast every day before you hit the road and on your drive to work. Subscribe to Wake Up War Chant, presented by DeLuna Coffee. Hear the latest from our War Chant teammates, Corey Clark and Aslan Hashavandi. That's Wake Up War Chant, wherever you get your podcasts and uh, more. The Jeff Cameron Show on 93.3 Real Talk Radio in a moment. Jeff Cambridge Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Lots to get to here. Uh, you guys have been commenting in the chat. I like this. It's it's fun to have the kind of discussion that I see going on over here in the, ta- in, in the chat. Uh, and that is, you know, Sam noted that um, very few national folks give FSU much hope this year. Uh, then the responses were basically, hey, look, we're cautiously optimistic and all of that. Uh, and it gets pointed out, Panama Jack writes, for whatever it's worth, I read a CBS Sports article, and it has FSU in its top five list of programs to cause chaos this year. Uh, the, the only, I, I think the only way that you would, you would derive that is that you believe Florida State will upset Notre Dame, okay? Uh, first of all, that would be the that would be the, the, the quintessential reason you would write something like that, CBS Sports would write something like that, is that you believe Florida State will upset Notre Dame because that would shake up the apple cart pretty quick. But then also you have to believe somewhere else along the way they're going to beat a, a ranked team. I, that could be Miami. I don't, I don't know who they're circling, but it would have to be the belief that the Noles are going to go over the five and a half and it will feature two wins in which they're underdogs. Yeah, I would think North Carolina on the road would be the second candidate there. Uh, you and I could not disagree more about this. <laughs> I, I, well, I, and, and I don't mean that. In, I mean, no. listen, that's fine. We pick who we pick. But here's the basis for that argument as well. They're in that top 10, 12 conversation sure. depending upon the coach's poll or the other poll, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking for chaos, well, and CBS is clearly pointing to preseason rankings. Yeah. And so the feeling when you win a game. Like, we beat them last year. What were they, fifth in the country, third in the country, whatever Absurd, it was. Yeah. And Mac Brown said, we're not that good, guys. But – at the time, Florida State could claim a top 10 win, 
right? Well, and in we the moment, hadn't shown any signs that we were going to win that game, yes. In the moment, it sounds crazy. It sounds like chaos, and then you get a few weeks out of that final, and you're like, yeah, North Carolina's whatever. And they've got some really good pieces, but they're not that great. So it's not the monumental thing that we felt the opening night. I've got the perfect example. Years ago, we had the game against Ole Miss in Orlando at Camping World on Monday night. That Sunday, I was in Austin watching Texas play Notre Dame. Into overtime. In the moment, indeed. Swoops for the win. In the moment, that felt like a game that would have real implications on the college football playoff later in the season. But alas, neither of those teams were any good. Three weeks later, we found out that was just a really entertaining game between two bad football teams. Very entertaining game. It really was. It was a lot of fun to watch. It had the chaos feel to it. It did. But again, that's in a moment. Later, you're like, oh, well, they were never good anyway. You know, here here's the thing. I don't think Florida State's going to beat North Carolina, but I'm really not concerned with that. I'm more concerned that they play up to their capability, that they play well enough that we see real signs of growth. And I think that we get too caught up right now. Certainly, I understand it. It's a results-oriented business. Uh, But we get too caught up in win totals. They really basically won one game last year. Florida State won one. I don't really – Duke didn't want to be here. Right. Jacksonville State doesn't even count, hardly. Um, you know, you beat North Carolina. That's, that's who you beat. That was the game you mm-hmm. won that was important. I mean, that was that's the one real one team. One half of one game. Yeah, you, you know, and you get credit. You win the game, that's great. But that's – think about what we're asking them. If you have them projected somehow as a seven or eight – let's say you have them projected as an eight-win team, what is that based on? I mean, what evidence do you have that that is going to happen? What happened this offseason that would lead you to believe they're an eight-win team? Now, you're going you're gonna to reach for two things. You're going to reach for the normalcy of an offseason, of a real offseason, and a full spring, and the obviously the gains that could be made in the weight room and nutrition by being together and working together and doing all that, and, of course, the normal fall camp and all of that. Okay, and you're going to say, Mackenzie Milton, Jeff, came in and, Maybe you've got a quarterback that can throw when the other team knows you're going to throw, and you can keep drives alive, and that'll put less pressure on your defense. you got a transfer in Jermaine Johnson who could seriously impact opposing quarterbacks. We couldn't get pressure a year ago, so no matter what kind of talent we had in the secondary, it didn't really matter because they were being asked to cover for five to seven seconds, and nobody can. So, And moreover, they weren't that good. So that was a hell well, of a I mean, so the, outside of Asante. Yeah, but that's what you're getting at. You're getting at those gains. I see that, but man, when the line of scrimmage is thin and not overwhelmingly good, it's hard to really, you know, project basically an extra I know they won three games, but again, if you're going under the premise that they kind of won one, then you're gonna ask them to win six more than you saw a year ago. I think they'll be a lot better for all the reasons that I just laid out. I just don't, and the schedule's brutal. It's brutal. Look at all those ranked teams. When that coach's poll came out, hey now, you, you went, look at this. It's not ideal. This ain't Happy Valley. Don't be saying that. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Like and subscribe. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Being realistic, Jeff. Normalcy of the offseason in addition to the transfers should get us three to four more wins this year. Six and six or seven and five. Anything better than that would just prove me wrong. Yeah, I, well, I, I agree with six and six. I agree. That's, I think that's realistic. Uh, it, it's, it's not that easy to get there. We did this all offseason. All you got to do is go through the schedule. It's just not that easy to get there. Because you can't, for us, it's hard to find automatic wins other than the, the UMass game and the Jacksonville State game. Woo! Uh-oh. Is this the question about uh, esteemed former producer Matt Millar? That is. That's right. Class of 01. Brian, I guess he went to school with Matty. Brian, and Brian, by the way, I love your last name. If indeed that is your last name. Rubre? That would be Rub Right. Brian Rubright. Nice to meet you. Brian, I'm sure you don't talk that way. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you asked if, uh, does Jeff and Matt Millar still keep in touch? Class of 01, go Knowles. Yes, I just talked to Matt yesterday. Uh, that's how in touch we are. We he talk. was here on Sunday working with us for a sound check. Yeah, we talk all the time. Uh, yeah, he uh, lives right by me, has for years. We're dear friends away from radio. I see him and his beautiful family. All the time. Shortened segment. Did you watch the preseason football last night? Did you flip around? It was good to have the back and forth from the Field of Dreams game in baseball. Flipping over to the NFL Network, watching Washington and New England. I got to watch. I liked it. Saw Chase Young get around the corner as he's going to do a lot this season. He's really good. Yes, he is. That team is sneaky, man. And that division, if if eight wins is going to carry it, or well, sorry, 17-game schedule now. So if... Nine eight wins, wins carry. still might carry the 17 games. <laughs> yeah. Eight and nine, the 8-9 Washington football team. Yeah, I think that that defense is certainly good enough to do it again with Fitz on the other side of the ball. It's hard to wrap your mind around the 17-game season. We've gotten so used. I'm sure it was this way for the old-timers when they went from 14 games to 16 games. But it is weird, instead of going from 16 to 18, you know, where you could be like, oh, well, they were not a nine last year. You know, th- yep. this is a little weird. Yeah, you can't go 500 without a tie. That's just yeah. That's I don't like so that. strange. It is very, very strange. Is there something the quest for eight and eight? It just occurred to me. There's no such thing anymore as the quest for eight and eight. It's dead. Yeah, it is dead. Uh, I'm not going to complain about having an extra game because late in the year when we're wanting to watch more football, I'll be like, all right, we've got another game. Okay. And it goes post New Year's, so you, the playoffs will start the second weekend in January. I do believe. I'm still uh, blown away by. Uh, I shouldn't say blown away. But Jason Light's contention yesterday that the Bucks have a three- to four-year window still. Obviously, sort of an unprecedented thing. By the way, you'll be able to hear the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right here on Real Talk Radio 93.3. In fact, right here in my hot little hands, I was given to this today when I walked in. They said, Jeff, uh, you're our guy. Thank you. I, it's required of all the employees to say that when they see me. Uh, they begin sentences that way. The clauses he puts in his contract. It was in the contract, my disgusting. lawyer. Just he thinks it's funny. So here's the thing. They said, Jeff, you're our guy. And I went, okay. Sort of like when you salute. And then, you know, proceed at ease. And then they said, can you read some liners today for us regarding the Bucks? You want a, you want a glimpse of the liners? So you're just going to cut them now so we save time? This is Jeff Cameron. And you're listening to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. <laughs> that, they, 
I don't have to. But that is the beginning of one of the liners. I, uh, yes, yes. And Gene is pumped up about that, of course, having run into him. It's awesome. Uh, and it's also awesome to note that every single one of those guys coming back. So that's huge. I could see the window being four or five years, especially when Aaron Rodgers takes it down to Tampa after Brady retires. If you want to surefire be the most hated team in the NFL, let Brady win another Super Bowl this year. Just in general, just let Brady win his eighth Super Bowl, okay? It's already loathsome for most. But then he wins that, and now that's back-to-back for Tampa Bay. And then you have to hear us every day talk about that. And then Brady announces he's going to retire, and the Bucks sign Aaron Rodgers to replace. Yes. You are instantly then the most hated team in all of football, maybe forevermore. And I think we want to go with the British pronunciation of dynasty at that point. Go with dynasty. Oh, <laughs> you really want to get well the Buccaneer dynasty, the would, Tampa Bay Lightning dynasty. It would be kind of fun if we addressed it without and just straight faced. You know, when you're talking about the Bucks dynasty, you got to understand, and you just talk about it that way. You just, you just, you roll with it. Hour number two, fourth coming. Stay with Libations Friday. Yeah, it is. How about that?